Welcome back to another edition of the SQ Sports NBA podcast. Uh, as we get back to a little uh, normalcy, um, this podcast uh, is going to recap the 2019-2020 season. Uh, I am Shane. Alongside with me, as always, is Q. How are we doing today? Doing pretty good, man. Happy to happy to the league's coming back. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. Better better than the last couple of pods we recorded. Uh, if you haven't listened to them, we did uh, we did some trivia, so go check those out. Those are always a fun listen. But uh, now we can get back to uh, some real sports. Um, if you've been living under a rock, the NBA season uh, is coming back July 31st. 22 teams, 13 from the West and nine from the East, uh, which were the top 22 teams in the NBA when the season was shut down in mid-March, are going to Orlando. Uh, to duke it out in a in a little tournament style, um, Q, if you want to elaborate on it a little bit before we get into the awards. Uh, sure. So basically, um, they invited all the teams that were in the playoffs, along with the Wizards, the Pelicans, the Suns, the Blazers, the Kings, the Spurs, um, and I think that's all of them, right? Yeah, Suns, Spurs, yeah. Kings, Pelicans. Yeah. Um, and if you're four games out of the eight seed, then you'll play. If the nine seed is four games out of the eight seed, then they'll play the eight seed um, in, what is it like? The eight seed only needs to win once, but the ninth seed would need to win twice to make the playoffs. Um, and then there's not really a shot of this happening in the East. I'm not even really sure why Washington and Phoenix are here. Um, their seasons were like, especially Washington. I mean, Phoenix had like a, a little bit of hope, I think. They're six games out behind Memphis. Um, but, like, I don't think anybody really thought Washington even had a shot. But it's more basketball. I guess it makes the eight-game uh, eight scheduling easier. Um, I think it's pretty exciting. I don't think it's going to be really weird with no fans um, in, like, a neutral – excuse me, a neutral location in Orlando. I don't, I don't know what that atmosphere is going to look like at all. <laughs> Yeah. But I'm excited for it. I'm hyped for it. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm super excited, too. We're getting something back. Uh, and, yeah, so they're playing – each team is playing eight games before the playoffs start. And, yeah, like you said, no fans will be interesting. I think it will also be interesting. Uh, these guys are used to shooting in arenas that hold 15,000, 20,000 people. Uh, and if they're playing that wide world of sports, those venues are going to be much smaller. So it's kind of like always uh, the old debate in college basketball. Uh, when you go to huge venues like uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium and play, it's harder to shoot because you can't get a, a good depth perception of the background. I feel like we could see a lot of high-scoring games because, I mean, maybe if it works the opposite way when the, when the uh, mm. background is. I saw someone tweet um, that this is uh, the, the people that are the uh, – uh, what is it? What, what's, what's the gym called? Not Lifestyle. It's uh, – LA Fitness? Or not LA Fitness. It's uh, Lifetime Fitness where we always see like Cody oh, Mello come out. Yeah, oh, right, where, right, the, right. where the walls right behind there, those guys yeah. can have a little advantage. Uh, but no, um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, and I, I do think it is interesting, um, not really conspiracy theories, but just throwing out there, like you said, if uh, the nine seed is within four games of the eight seed, and they will play that mini, mini series to see who snags the eight seed. Uh, I do find it interesting they made it four games because right now the Pelicans sit three and a half out. So 
there's a good chance that we're going to see a Pelicans Grizzlies uh, matchup. So Ja versus Zion. That was. I mean, I feel kind of bad for Memphis in that situation because like they were, they kind of deserved it. I mean, they yeah. were already there. Yeah. But like, man, that'd be that'd be so exciting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, like you said on the Eastern side, imagine Washington goes like four and four, and the Magic and Nets play under 500 ball and then Washington somehow beats one of those teams twice and sneaks in I mean honestly I could see them like if they were closer I could see them beating both teams but especially I don't know I don't think Wall's coming back yeah I I mean he'll he'll probably he's probably like pretty close to 100 percent but I doubt they would rush him back I guess but yeah um, no reason like just imagine Beal just carrying the Wizards like I don't think the Magic could like Who's gonna stop you on the magic, you know? Yeah, I mean, I did um, honestly. I'd throw Isaac at him, but then yeah, oh yeah, and I, I, that's like good for the magic because Isaac was gonna be out for the year. Yeah, and now he's gonna be healthy. Apparently, same with like Ben Simmons is healthy now. Um, a lot of guys. Giannis had an injury like the day, the weekend before the league yep. shut down. He they were kind of worried about if that was gonna keep him out for a few weeks. Um, and that kind of puts a uh, twist into what we're about to talk about with the MVP stuff. Um, but yeah. Uh, I'm just happy that we're going to have – because usually August just sucks when there's, like, nothing happening uh, other than baseball, really. And it's, like, even for baseball, it's, like, the most boring part of the season. Um, And now, like, we'll have hockey going on in August. We'll have basketball playoffs. And then they're going to go right into the – basically right into the next season, which is going to be weird if it's only, like, an eight-week off season. Yeah, that will be interesting. Um, and also, like, teams like the Hawks, the Cavs, the Warriors and everything, all these teams that aren't coming to Orlando, like, they're not going to be playing for nine months. It's, yeah. Which and, is weird. Um, really good for the Warriors because then, you know, Clay and Steph will be healthy again. And, you know, they're going to add a top five pick, it looks like. so. Yeah, and it goes, like, you're speaking on the injuries, like Simmons and Giannis uh, should be fully healthy. goes the other way for the Spurs, as it was just announced by LaMarcus Aldridge had shoulder surgery. It's going to keep him out of uh, mm-hmm. this Orlando tournament. And the Spurs are only four out right now. Uh, yeah, and, and, uh, and Bogdanovich is out for the year with a wrist injury on the on Utah. On Utah. So, yeah, uh, big news that's going both ways. Uh, but, yeah, speaking of on what you were saying, that these teams won't be playing for nine months, for, I would say the Warriors are the only team that really benefit from this. I know Woj just had um, – uh, Cavs coach J.B. Bickerstaff and uh, Hornets coach James Borrego on his podcast. And uh, they were both kind of, I wouldn't say coming into their own, uh, maybe more on the Charlotte side. They had just got a couple big wins over at Toronto and Miami. And uh, Borrego, am I pronouncing that right, Borrego? Yeah, it's Borrego. Uh, Borrego was saying on uh, on Woj's pod how uh, his guys were st- starting to finally pick up momentum and, and uh, they were kind of starting to gel as a team. And when you have this – Teams like that, when a lot of your true contributors are under 22, uh, you kind of want them to keep playing with each other as much as you can. So uh, they're talking about different ways um, to, to get their guys back in the gym. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so that's going to be interesting to see if that affects them in a positive or negative way uh, with all, all the uh, rest they're going to get. Because, granted, they are getting the rest, but when you're that young, you don't really need it. It's not like – you're like LeBron needs the rest, Kawhi needs the rest, but uh, like Devontae Graham, Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Kevin Porter, Miles Bridges, they want to be playing uh, 24-7. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, yeah, but like you said, August is uh, now going to be fun. 
uh, and, and we're going to have some things to talk about. It should be different storylines leading up to that. Uh, I will say that the players are heading down to Orlando in late June. I think a five or six week training camp is a little too much. Um, yeah, that is, that does seem a little, like, I feel like they could easily start like July 15th. Yeah, they could start in July. Um, but maybe there's some, uh, like legal stuff that I just, that we don't really know about. I don't know. Um, but I'm just, I'm just excited. And it's getting like, I think there will be people in the crowd. It'll just be people that are like in the bubble. Yeah. So like, what's like, I feel like a, like some other players are just going to be like watching games. Like it is in like high school. Yeah, like AAU you're in like a tournament. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. AAU and stuff where like there's a yeah. tournament and the team's waiting and they're just watching together. Like I feel like that's definitely gonna happen. That's yeah. gonna be pretty funny. It it is gonna um, be funny. And dude, the also also the other part uh, about it is you're bringing these guys like like LeBron, AD, Paul George. You're bringing them from LA and you're telling them like these these guys are expecting to be playing until early October. So you're gonna say. Mm-hmm. You're going to, for, for three months, we're going to coop you up in, like, a hotel room in Orlando. I think that's going to get a little fishy. I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen with that. But. Well, I think, they, I think they said they, like, described it like a campus. So, I guess there's going to be, like, stuff to do Okay. just in the bubble. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think that's, like, the theme park. Um, yeah, but I think that'd it's be, like, yeah, yeah. That'd be wild. That would be. <laughs> but, like, it's going to be it's gonna be so weird. Next yep. season is probably going to be shortened, I would assume. I heard yeah. them talking about that today. Um, into like maybe – and then maybe – I don't think it's like how – it's going to be – I mean, obviously the whole situation with COVID and everything is crazy, but like I don't know how they're going to get back to normal. And there's talk about them just like adopting a December to August schedule in general, yeah. which would I would actually kind of be cool with because like it would give football its time. They're not going to be competing with football for three months. They're just going to be competing for the first month with the playoffs and then the Super Bowl. And then they'd kind of just, like, own that. Like, they would easily out, like, ratings-wise and stuff. They would outperform baseball, especially now um, with the state that baseball's in. Yeah. Like, they would just be dominating. And then – but, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm so used to, a, like, October to June, so I guess it'd be weird. But I think it, it's just going to be – it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. And I, I, I think they were talking about before all this happened, uh, maybe a December start. I mean, mm-hmm. the casual basketball fan, uh, their their NBA season uh, tips off on Christmas when they watch the Christmas Day games and then they check mm-hmm. out again for a couple of weeks during the NFL playoffs and come back in right after the Super Bowl. So, um, I mean, for us, we're watching the games from day one, but for, I'd say, 70% of the fans mm-hmm. – uh, they come into the season when it's halfway through. So I think it'd be a great idea. Like you said, they'd be competing against baseball in the summer, which even uh, competing against baseball is like kind of an oxymoron because you're not really competing against yeah. baseball. Uh, and even so, and the, the summer is always slow anyway with just baseball. So uh, yeah. basketball. One other thing I want to touch on though, uh, and it kind of relates back to the five or six week uh, training camp. I think uh, we're going to see a decent amount of, soft tissue injuries yeah i saw it yeah um and i and i think i i feel there's gonna be some disadvantages uh that that different players have like if you're if you're jason tatum living in the city of boston in an apartment i don't know how much access you've had to a basketball court over the past two and a half months whereas lebron who lives in a house with a basketball court uh has clearly been able to do as much as he wants so uh 
there might be a little rest first rust type thing and uh, soft tissue injuries are going to be something to look out for. Especially like the younger guys that haven't made like that much money yet. Yeah. Where they can't have a huge court. It's going to be, it's going to be just like, I have, I have no idea what to expect. Yeah. I really don't. I'm really hyped about it. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think it'd be an interesting article if you uh, wrote something about uh, the, what teams um, are at the biggest advantage and who are at the yeah. biggest disadvantage, something like that. But mm-hmm. um, all right. Anything else you got on this uh, new season? I mean, we're both just excited. Uh, um, I, I, other than that, I kind of, I'm the only thing I'm really hurt by is like the no draft stuff for yeah. a really long time. Cause like, it's always one of my favorite times, just like the three weeks leading up to the draft. Uh, it seems like it's going to, I think the lotteries and, end of September or early October and then I think the drafts in like November so like you know these teams it's gonna be just this draft already kind of sucks yeah and these teams probably won't be able to have like a combine mm-hmm. and they might not be able to do like full uh in-person workouts and everything yeah and they're only after they pick them they're only gonna have like five weeks to, usually they have a whole summer to like kind of incorporate them into the culture and everything and they're only gonna have like five weeks uh after the draft after free agency i will say i kind of feel like in free agency it was already kind of a, a weak class because it seems like 80 is gonna stay um i feel like most guys will stay especially if the cap doesn't uh if the cap goes down which i think it will at least a little bit um guys are gonna opt for you know signing for more money with their own team and it's going to be a little boring, especially compared to last year, which is just like craziness for two weeks straight. So the off season, it's just, it, I, I'm honestly really shocked it's coming back though. I was pretty pessimistic. I thought, I thought it was going to get canceled. Um, so I'm just grateful that's not. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And the one other thing I'll add to that uh, about the draft and stuff, uh, like you said, I don't think there's going to be many uh, in-person workouts, which honestly I think will benefit teams because now all they really have to go off is watching tape yeah. uh granted some of the top prospects like james wiseman only played three games lamella ball played in like 13 uh they don't have a ton of tape out there but uh prospects would come in and just wow you in a pre-draft workout where it just does them and the coaches and yeah. you draft them then it'd be a swing and a miss like i was uh listening to something where uh a lot of the sun's front office wanted tatum but Josh Jackson just wowed them away, especially Sarver, in the pre-draft workout that they ended up going with Jackson. So things like that, where if you're just basing it off tape alone, and like how do these guys play in a five-on-five situation, especially if you're playing uh, high-level collegiate basketball against um, other possible pros, uh, I, think, I, think, I think there's going to be less swings and misses because um, pre-draft workouts can don't always show uh, – everything that a prospect uh, is really all about. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be really interesting. All right. With that being said, we are going to get into our uh, postseason awards. Uh, we've been waiting to do this for a little while because we didn't know uh, if the season was coming back or exactly how it's coming back. Uh, but we finally know now. And Q, let me ask you this. I, I am 99% positive that the eight games that are played before uh, this playoff season aren't going to count towards the NBA awards. Is that correct? You know? Uh, I mean, I assume they'll vote at the end of it, but yeah. I feel like 
it's unfair to the other eight teams that don't make it. That's true. It is unfair. And also, like, I don't think it's enough of a difference anyway to really swing any votes. All right. So. Very fair. All right. Uh, so we'll start off with MVP. Um, I'm going to go – I'll go first here. Uh, I, think right. it's, I think it's Giannis. Um, this is one of uh, – I think Giannis is going to win either way. But uh, had the NBA finished out the last 17 games or so, uh, and he w- if he was out with that injury and LeBron played a little better, I think LeBron would have had a more solid case. But with the 65 games they played, I think Giannis is a clear-cut choice here. The Bucks had the best record, the best net rating in the NBA. Uh, according to basketball reference, Giannis is the only player to average above 29 points, 13 rebounds, and 5.3 assists in a season. Uh, not only did he do that, but he did that in under 31 minutes per game. Uh, which is pretty unheard of, pretty crazy. He's finally coming into his own. Um, and I think the narrative uh, on him being a bad shooter, I think the term bad has to be thrown out. I, I saw a stat on Twitter yesterday that from 15 feet plus, I don't have the exact number on me, but from 15 feet plus, Giannis and AD last season both shot around, took 350 attempts, and were both, there, there was a one, like a one and a half percent uh, field goal percentage difference between how they shot from 15 feet plus. And no one's out here calling AD a bad shooter. Um, so I don't think we can call Giannis that. Uh, he, he was at 30.6% from deep this season. Uh, his ability to sh- just change the game is uh, remarkable. And uh, I think he's he's a clear-cut choice here. I'd be shocked if you went a different way. Uh, I did go with Giannis. I will say he is a bad shooter. You, uh, you would consider bad. You would call him bad. I would consider him bad. He's bad from – he's very below average from, like, everyone on the court other than at the rim where he's, like, incredible. So Okay. And I, I wouldn't consider would AD – Would you consider AD a bad shooter? I would consider him a little bit better, but I think AD, his, his shot is so smooth that, like, people think it's better than it is. Um, like, I was pretty surprised. But he was still, you know, 3.5% higher uh, from three. And he does – and he's a much better free throw shooter. Uh, this year, he shot 85% from the line, and Giannis is at 63, which I, I think, like, as a whole shooter, AD's sizably better, but still not good. But it doesn't really matter because Giannis was the best player in the league. Yeah. Um, I do – I did have LeBron at two. Um, I think LeBron was, like, obviously he's amazing every year. But this year was, like, he really seemed to be dominating in, like, kind of different ways. Um, I mean, he averaged 10 and a half assists a game. Like, it's it's by far – the most assists he's ever averaged. Um, him and AD are like a perfect pair. Yeah, he did lead the league for the first time, which kind of, yeah, I guess he usually plays with like a point guard, so it's not really that surprising. But um, like that last weekend, LeBron beat the Bucks in LA and then um, he beat the Clippers two days later and he just do- like completely dominated both teams and it was like kind of getting close. And I actually think he might have pulled it off if Giannis missed like two weeks. But clearly now it doesn't matter. Um, Giannis, Bucks are the best record in the league by a lot. They were, like, kind of historically great. They were, like, kind of on pace with uh, the 2016 Warriors, honestly. Like, if you look at the numbers, they were pretty much right there, um, which is crazy just because they don't really have another top, top guy outside of him. Defensive monster um, improved his playmaking. He did improve as a shooter. I mean, he took – nearly two more threes a game and he shot uh had a five percent increase from last year somehow every year he just keeps getting better i don't really get it uh it's infuriating 
as a as an Eastern Conference fan, but I got to give the guy's credit. He, he's a monster. So, yeah, I have Giannis, and then just for a good measure, I had LeBron at two, and at three, I kind of thought – I didn't really know who was at three. I kind of just went with Kawhi uh, because the Clippers are really starting to figure it out toward the end. But you can go with, like, ten guys, and I wouldn't yeah. really uh, be opposed. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't look into three. Uh, off the top of my head, I might – might have gone Harden, but like you said, I think it could be. Uh, I, I was gonna put Harden at three, and then Russ's like second last like thirty games, he was kind of right along with Harden like statistically. So I kind of okay, not okay. really Harden's fault, but I like pegged him down, I guess. And Kawhi only played sixty or games in Giannis. I kind of surprised by that. He played fifty one. Giannis played fifty seven. All right, I just I just found the stat after digging. Uh, so from the 2019-2020 season. Field goal percentage from 15 plus feet, uh, AD on 344 attempts, shot 33.7%. Giannis on 339 attempts, shot 32.7%. So exactly 1% lower. Um, which is, I mean, there's a, there, someone, someone uh, replied there's a big difference in, in uh, the way they're guarded. So, yeah. um, but and then the guy responded. I did look up this beforehand. Uh, AD had 71% of AD's threes. Three attempts were within were uh, considered wide open, six plus feet of space. Uh, Giannis was at 82%. So I mean, I guess both take a lot of a lot of wide open threes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah, bad is bad is a is a relative term. But yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Uh, who do you got for uh, rookie of the year? Uh, I went with Ja. I thought it was pretty clear, even even with uh, Zion's like crazy 19 game run where he averaged almost 24 a game. Uh, I just didn't really. I wouldn't have thought it was fair to Ja if Zion would have gotten it, even if he had played what 35 total games by the end of the season. That's assuming he played every game, which I don't think he would have. Uh, but Ja was he was really good this year. Um, Better. I was high on him out of the draft, but like he would play a lot better this year than I thought he would. Shot over 36% from three. Uh, obviously had the Grizzlies in the playoffs, seven assists a game. Um, I mean, he's just – he's really, really good. He's super creative with the ball. He's – he like is like a – he reminds me of like D. Rose, but he's a like 10 times the passer D. Rose was as a yeah. – like when D. Rose was young. And – I mean, there's not that much to say. He's just – he's not only is he, like, crazy exciting to watch, um, but he's just, like, really smart. Like, he plays winning basketball right now. Like, he's a really good cutter. He's, you know, not great on defense at this point. He's just so small. Like, he's only listed at 175 pounds. Like, that's – he just he, – he has a tendency to get kind of bullied uh, on defense, but gave really good effort, I thought. And – uh his shooting is weird like his shot doesn't look super smooth it looks a little pushy but it's going in um and I think I think this doesn't really have to do with rookie of the year but I think within the next few years like he's gonna have a shoe and the kid like kids are gonna go crazy for it kind of like the way kids hype up Kyrie they're gonna hype up John Morant that way just because yeah. he's so exciting to watch like oh so yeah I can put. Uh, I agree with that. I wonder if he's uh, signed. Um, I'm not sure. I think he has like a shoe deal, but not a signature deal yet. Okay. Um, um, but it's gonna be 
I mean, if Donovan Mitchell's getting a signature shoe, like John Morant's going to have yeah, a good signature shoe. So, uh, uh, Yeah, he signed with Nike, so that's a yeah. definitely big plus. Yeah. Um, uh, all right, so, yeah, uh, I went with Ja as well. Uh, just makes me hate the NBA uh, draft lottery even more because if we didn't have it, he'd be on the Suns, uh, which yeah. is unfortunate. Uh, and I think it's the same as the MVP race. Uh, I think Zion, like LeBron, uh, was a clear-cut second choice. Uh, obviously, he was just out for so long. It was too little, too late. And um, he was obviously helped by all the – Zion was obviously helped by all the hoopla around him. But Ja kind of had the same same amount of hype. I mean, he was on – No, he wasn't as hyped. Come on. Not, not as, as Zion. Not uh, – I'm, I'm talking about during the season, like with – Oh, yeah, yeah. House of Highlight plays and Bleacher Report talking about – like he had the same amount of highlight. Maybe not the same, but – he was he was he was a highlight player, like yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Uh, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't just like under the radar at all. Um, and I think uh, not a big reason he, he he's gonna win it because his numbers are are better than everyone else. But it's huge that the Grizzlies are currently the eighth seed, uh, basically with a five hundred record, with that young of a team and him leading it. Um, and yeah, I mean I, I don't think he can go anywhere else. Uh, his stats of 17 and a half points, seven assists, and three and a half rebounds. Uh, only four guards have ever done that in their rookie season. Uh, AI, Trey Young, Magic Johnson, and then Damon Stoudemire. So hopefully it doesn't turn out like uh, Stoudemire. Hey, he was good, though. Yeah, he was, was good. Yeah, he was a he was solid, solid role player. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think Ja is uh, the clear-cut choice here. Yeah, uh, and at three, just for good measure, I put his teammate, uh, Brandon Clark, who just nobody talked about. That dude was amazing this year. Um, I mean, he's like 24 almost. He was a really old rookie. Um, but he was – he averaged 12 and six, shot 63% from the field, 40% from three. Um, he's a, a fantastic defensive player. Like, he's really, really good. And that trio of Morant, uh, Jaron Jackson, and Clark is going to be like – just crazy. Just re- they're going to be really, really good on both ends. Plus, they have Dylan Brooks, Grayson Allen. Like, they have some good – Justice Winslow now. Like, they got a good – they got a good thing going on. Yeah, they got a good little core. I, I hope they, they win the eighth seed just because uh, – um, yeah. or them or the Pelicans. But I'd kind of rather see – I don't want to see Portland back in there. I don't want – I, I kind of don't, but I do – I would like to see, like, Dame versus LeBron. Dame versus LeBron. Lakers would win, but yeah, I feel like Dame would go for 50, like, almost every game. So yeah, that'd be pretty fun. That would be interesting. Do you think any chance uh, Nurkic is back? If if I think he's, I think he's going to be back because he was supposed to be back like a week or so after. Okay. Like after the league shut down. All right, Uh, so that's huge for him getting the extra, uh, extra couple months to. Yeah, and and uh, Zach Collins had been out for the season, but he might be coming back. I mean, if they have like an actual center rotation, because they really just had Whiteside. If they had like, you know, if they could play all those guys like between 18 and 22 minutes a game, that would really help because – Yeah, it'd be huge. After Whiteside, they were basically playing like – for a while, it was like Anthony Tolliver, and he's pretty washed, so. Yeah, Tolliver, um, yeah. All right. And, uh, you know, other than that, I mean, the Kings probably aren't making it. Yeah. And then or maybe, the Suns. Or maybe the Suns go 8-0 and shock to win. <laughs> uh, I hope so. Yeah, yeah, that'd be, that'd be sick. I'm just glad I'm getting another eight games of Suns basketball. Yeah, uh, I feel you. I feel you. Uh, all right, so coach of the year. Um, I think this is the first one. You could go a couple of ways. 
Uh, and I did, I did, I did uh, look into it, but uh, I'm going with Billy Donovan. Mm. Um, led the Thunder, who after after this off season, uh, with everything that happened, um, people were down. People were down on the Thunder. Everyone counted them out. Uh, they counted them out from even competing at all. They thought they were going to be a bottom feeder team. Uh, and they com- not only did they compete, they currently held the five seed in the West, went 40 and uh, 24, um, which is solid. I mean, it's better than the Rockets and the Mavericks. And they kind of just did their thing quietly, night in and night out. I mean, the Rockets and the Mavericks both talked about way more. Uh, but the Thunder, the Thunder are in there. And one stat I did look up, which is really interesting, uh, they were 20 and 11 on the road, which uh, comes out to a 64.5 uh, road win percentage. Uh, normally, the Thunder are known for uh, their home fans, whether it's Chesapeake Arena. Um, they have never had that high of a road win percentage. Uh, I, I look back through the KD era. So since KD was drafted, um, they had never had that high of a road win percentage. So I think this team could be poised to make a little noise in Orlando because they weren't uh, just using the, the back of their home crowd. Uh, they were winning on the road. Um, besides the, the Lakers, they had the best road win percentage in the West, uh, w- which was an interesting nugget to me. So um, I like what uh, Donovan did with uh, the three guards in uh, SGA, CP3, and Schroeder. Uh, stacked them well and then had a solid uh, three-guard closing lineup that was pretty effective. Uh, so I know you could go a couple other ways here. Uh, but the expectations coming into the season compared to where they are now, uh, I think Billy D- Donovan deserves a lot of credit. Uh, I I agree that he deserves a lot of credit. I think um, I think he did a really good job, and like he had to incorporate three new guys that were all like pretty like they're all like, pretty high usage with CP3, uh, SJ, and Gallo, and they all meshed really really well. Um. I still can't believe they went 40 and 24. They were better than Houston. Oh, they were the same record as Houston, but um, they were better than Dallas. They were better than the Sixers and the Pacers, um, which is, I don't think anybody saw that coming. I think their over under was 32 before the season. Now, a lot of that was like people thought they were going to trade Chris Paul um, and Gallo, honestly. And they were pretty close to trading Gallo even after they started playing well. They were six and 11. Um, on November 27th and since then they're what 34 and 13 yeah 34 and 13 yeah that's crazy yeah that's a four-month stretch pretty much or three months that's that's really impressive Uh, I thought Chris Paul was freaking amazing this year even though stats aren't you know mind-boggling but uh just the way he handles that team and he played every game which is um or he only missed one game which for him is a, is a good stat. Like he played yeah. more in a shortened season than he did the, each of the last three years. So um, really impressive. I had him at two. Uh, I went with Nick Nurse. Yep, that was my two. So Toronto was really, really good, 46 and 18. Uh, I thought they'd be good just because they have such a – they still had a lot of good players left and like they had a good like ecosystem, I guess. But, man, they were just rolling. Um I'm not sure how good they would be in the playoffs, but just because I don't know who's really like scoring and dominating for that team the way Kawhi could last year. But for this award, it doesn't really matter. Um, 
defensively, they were just so good. And they, they started running that press. Um, and having, like, basically everybody on that team is, uh, is like, a really, really good defensive player. And a lot of that is just Nurse helping guys improve, like, just looking – OGs improve this year. They still got – he still got Gasol and Ibaka. And he's gotten Siakam to another level. Like, he's just – He's so good, and they, they're such a well-run team that I just can't believe how good they are. Like, it's, it's crazy yeah. um, that they're the second-best team in the East by three games. Really, I mean, they had an outside shot of, you know, taking over Milwaukee. Um, I mean, it probably wouldn't happen, but still. The fact that they were even in the close is just testament to how good he was. So, yeah, I went with Nurse. I think Nurse might be pulling for, like, best coach in the league. Uh, especially since Pop seems to kind of be on his way out. I mean, yeah, I think I, I, quite a resume already. I had uh, I had Nurse at two, and I was I was picking between the two. Um, but yeah, I think I I agree with you uh, in the sense of like current best coach in the league, Donovan Donovan doesn't hold Nurse's pocket on that. Uh, I mm-hmm. agree that that yeah, Nurse is looking like he could be the next Pop, uh, and he's still so young, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I just like how he mixes and matches his lineups. I mean, they go a true true eleven deep. Yeah, I don't know what other NBA team this season you could say goes like a solid eleven deep, like night in and night out. This isn't just like some guys get injured and other guys are playing. Yeah, um, every day, every year they have at least one or two guys that come kind of out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And from the G, and that's part part of it's probably like he was the coach of the G League for the a G while. League. Yep. And then he, I think he was head of development and an assistant coach at the same time uh, under Dwayne Casey. So, like, he, he just, like, knows the system so well at this point, and he just gets it. And clearly he's able to connect with his guys and, like, get them to really buy in. Like, um, what's this guy? What's his name? The rookie this year, that Terrence Davis. Terrence Davis at Ole Miss. Like, at yeah. Ole Miss, like, wasn't drafted. I mean, he was projected, like, you know, in the 40s, I guess. and um, But he went undrafted, and he's – playing really well mm-hmm. um and, and just... yeah i mean with davis in in college uh especially on an old miss team that was always like a, an 18 to 21 team uh davis was was just out there to score the basketball mm-hmm. and i mean that's a testament to nurse he turned him into a team player that can sit in the you can sit in the corner and still get your shots and yeah. you have guys like siakam and uh uh like ibaka and lowry space and space and everything out like Davis, if you're playing good defense, you can stay on the floor and get your shots. I mean, he's shooting 39% from three. Uh, but he completely like, – if Davis goes to another team, like – I mean, not, not to pick on any team, but some lower-level team like the Cavs or something, he's going to get thrown in there and, and asked to take like 10, 11 shots a game even as an undrafted mm-hmm. guy just because of his scoring prowess. But because of this system, uh, I feel like he's just – he molds people to his system, which you can't say about uh, a lot of coaches in the NBA. Yeah, it's just they—they they got it. They got a thing figured out. Look, I mean, think about it. They had I remember last year, none of their players uh, that were on the team on their title team were picked in the lottery. Like every single player yeah. was fifteenth or later. Um, now a lot of them were already veterans, but still, like Norm. The thing about they've had Norman Powell, second round pick. Van Fleet was undrafted. Siakam was what twenty seventh. Yeah, he was late. Twenty seventh pick. Terrence Davis is undrafted. Chris Boucher has come out of nowhere, and he's been a pretty decent, you know, rotation big man yeah. for them. Like they're just OG was man. 
I'm just – and OG was, like, the, what, the 20th pick yeah. around there? 23rd, yeah. Yeah, like, they, they got it. They got it figured out. When for a while it just seemed like they were just a disappointing organization every year, and now they – Yeah. What a what a move that was to fire Casey Trade to Rose and – Yeah, that's like, – yeah, that's just, Masai. Shout out, shout out to King. Shout out Masai. Shout out Masai. And uh, third, just for good measure, I put Spell. Uh, yeah, Spell. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't think the Heat would be that good. Um, yep. but they were so all right yeah we had the same top three there uh all right uh who did you go with on six man of the year i think you could go maybe three different ways here um i went with dennis schroeder because uh just you know he was really really good he had the best season uh with the thunder obviously he was part of that three guard you know rotation with him and cp3 and sga uh just he averaged 19 a game off the bench he shot 38 percent from three Pretty good playmaker, pretty solid. Doesn't you know? He's not an amazing passer, but he's you know pretty good. Um, but I thought it was kind of a weird crop for a six man. Like I just didn't want to put Lou Will again. Yeah. Because uh, I'm just kind of getting tired of it. Uh, and for two and three, I had uh, Davis Bertans and Derrick Rose. So. Okay. Um, yeah, I went with uh, Shooter as well. Um, but he just knew his role. Uh, he fit in perfectly behind SGA and uh, CP3. Like I already touched on that uh, three-guard rotation, closing out most games. Um, 19 points, nearly his highest of his career. 38.1% uh, from deep is by far the highest of his career. Mm -hmm. uh, and, yeah, that, that backcourt makes up a monster defense. Um, it, 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 they're tough uh, to play against. Uh, like you said, I, I think Montrez Harrell should be in the conversation. Uh, I don't know whether you'd call Lou Will or Harrell the uh, sixth man or if it even really needs a title, uh, but he, he was a really solid player off the bench too. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, all right. Um, and over to most improved. Uh, I had this down between, between two guys. Um, I did go with, uh, with our boy down south and Bam out of bio. Uh, Adebayo, I know who you're going to go with probably, but Adebayo, uh, I mean, he was an all-star. Uh, and just if you, look at, if you look at the improvement from year one to year two, not only are all, all of his statistics improved, I mean, he went from averaging 8.9 points a game to 16.2, um, averaged a a half a block more, averaged more steals, um, and averaged three more rebounds. I mean, those are all things that you want to see out of a third man, uh, a third year big man. But I think the most important factor in this is he became one of the Heat's main, uh, I wouldn't call it ball handlers, but facilitators. Mm -hmm. um, he, he averaged over five assists a game, up from 2.2 .2 in 18-19. Uh, uh, and yeah, that man is someone who, if you looked at him on Kentucky in 2016, and I told you three years from now, he's going to be taking the ball up the court between the legs, spin move, like behind the back, dish it off. I would have thought you were joking. Um, but I, I, I don't know if what you want to contribute it to, just a, a bunch of work in the gym or what. But he's turned into more than just a, a little bit of an undersized big man who can catch lobs and, and, and protect the rim. Um, and on the defensive end, he's a monster. Uh, at 6'9", he's really switchable, especially on the perimeter in the pick and roll. Um, but he makes up uh, with that lack of uh, height. It's not even a lack of height, but if you're going up against other centers that are 6'11", 7 foot, uh, it's a couple of inches. But 
he's weighing in at 255 pounds. He's someone that you can't really move off the block. So uh, everything considered, um, he's a special player. And, yeah, I think, uh, I think he deserves uh, the most improved player of the year. Uh, I think Bam was the best player on the Heat. I would say I think he had a better overall year than Jimmy, uh, especially okay, since yeah. Jimmy's shooting just tanked so hard. He's at like twenty four percent from three. That's tough. Um, Bam's really great. I no, I did not think he'd be. Yeah, I thought he'd be all right. Like I didn't think he'd be bad, but um, just this. I don't know how he's so good at handling the ball. Yeah, I don't get. I don't he, get. You know, he he was like kind of seemed like he was like brought up as like a kind of just rim runner. It's he just was. surprising yeah. seeing how good he is uh, on the short roll on those passes. Ah, he, he's really great. He's really great. There's not he, really much to say. If he can develop, uh, he only took, he only averaged a three-point attempt every five games, which, I mean, good for him, sticking stick to what he knows. Mm-hmm. If he could ever develop a three-point jump shot, that, that, would, that would set the world on fire. Even just like a 15-footer. Yeah, yeah. Like Even Free-throw yeah. line jumper. Like he'd, be, he'd be really – He'd be pretty much, you know, impossible to stop at that point. Yeah. Uh, I did consider Bam. I had him second, but I had to go with Ingram. I feel like yeah, it kind of has to be. Uh, he averaged 24 a game. The real, you know, insane thing to me is just how much he's improved as a shooter in one year. Um, with the Lakers, he only shot, what, 33% from three on two attempts a game. And this year he's at almost 39% on over six attempts a game from three. And his free throws have gone up. He was at – 66.2% first career with the Lakers. This year he's at 86% on six attempts a game. Like he's completely changed as a shooter. Um, kind of the way people thought he would shoot out of college. Because um, he shot around 40% at Duke. And the Pelicans were really looking good toward the end. A lot of that was Zion. But having like a 25-point-a-game score on the wing every night, who's pretty, you know, he's lengthy on defense. He's switchable. He gives effort. Improving as a playmaker, um, he was just—he was really great. He deserved the All-Star spot, um, so I went with him. But I could—I I mean, I could see the argument for Bam. And then at three, uh, I had Devonte Graham, even though I—I don't think second-year guys ever really win. But um, man, I mean, he went from four point seven points a game as a rookie to eighteen point two, and he shot ten threes a game almost, um, and he shot thirty-seven percent on those. So. Uh, shout out to him. Yeah, he's it, he's really good. Better yeah. than I thought he'd be. So yeah, it was an and it was an insane progression from Graham. Um, he only really had one year uh, in the spotlight at Kansas because he was mm-hmm. uh, behind Frank Mason. He wasn't behind, but he was playing alongside Frank Mason. Frank Mason was the one bringing the ball up. He was mm-hmm. the one that everyone knew. Uh, Graham was just kind of a smaller, scrappier guard that could hit some shots. Uh, but yeah, you could kind of see it uh, in his last year at Kansas. Uh, but I never thought he was going to do anything like this in the NBA. Um, I'm kind of curious what his what his height and weight are because he's he listed at six six one one eighty five. Yeah, he seems so small out there on the court. Yeah. But uh, I mean, that, you know, from the field, from two percent, from two point range, he's at just thirty nine percent. So he needs to. He's just horrendous. Yeah, he can't get the to arc. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's also a really good passer. I mean, he's averaged seven and a half assists and only, you know, three turnovers when you're averaging seven and a half assists is not. Not terrible, uh, especially okay. for a second-year guy. So, and he was a little older. Um, you know, he was a four-year player at Four, yeah. at in college. So um, maybe it's expected, but he made the he made the Hornets. I guess this is like probably the last time we're ever going to talk about the Hornets for like eight months. But um, I thought the Hornets were going to be like a ten-win team 
and they won 23 and they were pretty competitive and he was a pretty big part of that. Um, mm-hmm. So props to him. Horn's got at least a little bit of a foundation down there. It's not all, um, you know, it's not all doom and gloom for them. So good for, good for Charlotte, I guess. Good for Charlotte. Yeah, that, uh, definitely a solid pickup. Um, all right. So you want to get into the uh, all. Uh, what about the uh, defensive player? Oh, defensive player of the year. I didn't even write that down. What do you got? I know who I'm going to. I went with Ben. I went with Ben Simmons. Uh, I wouldn't have gone with him if the season ended because he wouldn't have played, but he only wound up missing like five games. I thought he was uh, insane. Now I'm probably biased, but still, I thought he was unbelievable on defense this year. Um, He's just someone that guards everyone, and I don't know. I just just think like – he's kind of become a dog on defense in a way I didn't expect him to because he kind of has like that cocky personality. Um, and out of at LSU, he played like no defense. And I think like, you know, he had led the league in seals this year. I think he kind of takes pride now in being like, okay, I'm going to lock up the best, the other team's best player. Like a lot of stats show that like, you know, guys like Tatum and Jimmy and, um, LeBron, like they were all kind of locked up by Ben this year. Yeah. And I don't know. I just thought he was, he was really, really great. And I just wish he was like, the only improvement he really has to make is like kind of at the rim. He's not really a presence yet. Uh, he has the size to do it, but he's just not like big enough, I guess. And if he can, can get better at protecting the rim a little bit, I think he'll legitimately be like the best defensive player in the league by a lot. Uh, and this, and then I had uh, AD at two and Bam at three for Depoy. So. Okay, yeah, uh, I would go AD. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's there's a whole lot to say. He one thing he he is really solid at the rim. Uh, yeah, AD's AD's a monster on defense. I would like to see those numbers uh, on his contested shots at the rim. Uh, what the what the make percentages on that? Because I assume it's got to be real low. Um, and not only that, but he, he is – he's switchable. Uh, he can guard out 25 feet. Um, and, yeah, I think – I mean, year in and year out, AD is always at the, always at the top of these lists. So. Yeah. yeah he's so, I mean, he averaged two and a half blocks a game, and he was playing a lot of minutes next to, like, Dwight and JaVale McGee. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he averaged 1.5 steals for a, cent, for a you know, big man. That's really It's really great. He just uses his length so well, and he's obviously crazy athletic, so. Yeah, the yeah. Solid, solid combination. Yeah. Um, all right, so going to the All NBA team. Um, all right, so let's let's start with the. So we're going two guards, two forwards, and a center. Start with the guards. Um, I don't know how arguable this is, but I think it's uh, Harden and Doncic. Yep, I had the same. Uh, any really take on that? I mean, what Doncic did this season was. Was pretty incredible. Uh, I, I'm I'm a little bit of a hater on him, but you can't you can't deny what he did. Uh, and Harden once again, just I mean, he's a scoring machine, uh, and that and that can't be uh, left untalked about. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was. I almost forgot like Doncic played a lot of guard this year, so I almost had him as like a forward. But then Basketball Reference had him at 92% guard. So okay. Um, I went with that, yeah. Uh, the only person I really considered outside of those two was Lillard, uh, but the Blazers kind of had a bad year and yeah, um, he missed some time and you know 
by himself, he had a great year, but it was shaky overall. And then the usual guys, like Curry's been a mainstay and he was out the whole year. So, yeah, it wasn't really uh, too hard to to pick those two. And then for forward, I assume you had LeBron and Giannis? Yep. Uh, I think what we're talking about on MVP, there's no other way to go there. Yeah. Um, um, who'd you have for center? I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I think we uh, might disagree on this one. Uh, I, I, it, it was close for me, uh, but there, there was one deciding factor, uh, which you might not be a fan of, but I did have Nikola Jokic. Um, As did I. I had him too. Okay, sweet. Uh, surprising come from the Sixer fan, but I'm, I don't like Jokic or Embiid. I mean, we've been over this on this pod. I am not a fan of either of those guys. Um, but I think. Jokic played all 65 games, and B played 44 of 65 games. Um, if Embiid had played 65 games and had the exact same numbers, take an Embiid. But he, he didn't. He played a third of the games Jokic played. I think that, that's a big deal uh, because I think the difference between what Embiid does way better than Jokic is defend, clearly. What Jokic does better than Embiid is facilitate and pass. But I think – uh, the gap between Embiid and Jokic in defending and Embiid and Jokic in passing, uh, I think the, def- the defensive gap is way bigger. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, if, they had, if he had played the same amount of games or even if he had played like 10 or 15 more games, uh, I would have gone Embiid, but that 44 out of 65 is tough. Uh, I think this is like kind of a hot take, but I probably would have just gone Jokic anyway. Really? Okay. Uh, Embiid was good. Like, obviously, he's really good. You had a really good season. Uh, and a lot of it, like the team struggles, were just because of how poorly the team was constructed um, to fit around him. But even when he was healthy this year, there were just too many stretches where he either looked like kind of disinterested or like I get it, he needs to save himself at this point because last year he pushed obviously way too hard and he had you know knee problems in the playoffs. But like, he, he goes too far the other way too many times where he just, like, doesn't even look like he's trying and he's pouting. And it's like, you're we're not good enough yet. The Sixers aren't good enough where they, like, coast like a yeah. LeBron team. And there was a reason, you know, they might still do something in the playoffs. I have no idea. But, like, there was a reason they were so many times this year where they look so bad. And a lot of it's because, like, when he's bringing energy, just the whole team feels it. Like, it's so obvious whenever he's locked in because everybody else just kind of feeds off it. And there were too many times where he wasn't. Um, but statistically he actually had like probably a better, his best season, uh, his most efficient season. He shot 35% from three turnovers were down a little bit. Um, still getting to the line a ton, like his minutes per game were down because they have Horford now. Uh, so they can play, they can afford to play him less, but he was, he was really good. And I honestly, I was considering Bam just because of how good Bam was, but I felt like that was a little too far of a jump. I don't think Bam yeah, deserves yeah. to be a, a first-team All-NBA guy at this point. They really just need to change it where it's just the five best because I think it's, you know, AD should be on this list. But I agree. Forward, like he wasn't better than LeBron and Giannis. So. Yeah, um, I agree with that. But, yeah, yeah, that's my – so we have the same five. All right, yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think LeBron and Gian, uh, Giannis and LeBron were hard to take off as we ha- after we had them one and two in the MVP – yeah. Um, all right. So now to uh, all defensive team uh, again: two guards, two forwards, and a center. Uh, so we, I assume, we both had Simmons and Davis uh, at a guard and forward position. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at, at my other forward position, I had Giannis. Okay. Same did I. 
And uh, at I don't think I don't know if you're gonna agree with this one. On my other guard position, I had Marcus Smart. As did I. I did. Okay. I took him third in the redraft. I oh, had him up. Yeah, that's true. I forgot you're a big Smart guy. Um, and at the center position, uh, I had Brooke Lopez. Damn. All right. Brooke Lopez had a really good year. He, I actually he, forgot I think, about Brooke Lopez. I think uh, I'm pretty sure he led the led the association in blocks, but um, yeah, he had a really solid year um, and actually proved that like actually can defend kind of uh, mm-hmm. out on the perimeter, which um, when you look at his big body, you don't think that's the case. But um, I think that partly because of the Bucks defense as a whole, uh, definitely might have helped him out in a lot of defensive metrics. Um, but I think, I think he still played really well. Uh, and I'm tired of people just throwing Gobert down. Um, as as uh, am I. Because I, I think he's a little overrated on defense at this point. Yeah, I, you know, I, it's obviously obviously incredible, but yeah, I agree uh, with that. Yeah, Brooke, he, he like the Bucks just don't allow anyone to score in the paint, like at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, um, Like even against some of the best interior teams, like they really locked up a beat a couple times. They they did a really good job on AD. Like they just don't let anyone score at the rim, and uh, Brooke Lopez was a really good, really big part of that. Uh, yeah, uh, I had Bam. Just because of his switchability, yeah. but um, I think that's a fair pick too. Yeah, yeah. And then an honorable mention. I guess it's just my second team. Uh, I went with uh, Embiid. I honestly forgot about Brook Lopez, so I would actually go Brook Lopez over Embiid at this point, uh, especially considering the games played. Uh, I had so Brook Lopez, Covington, uh, Kawhi, and then at the guards I had Bledsoe and Jimmy. Okay, I those two had really good defensive seasons. Um, I hate that. I think Pat Bev. Pat uh, Bev, yeah. Might might deserve a chance in there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I I don't hate that at all by any by any stretch. Yeah. Uh, all right, all rookie. Um, all rookie actually takes into account uh, the system you like, which is just the five best players. Um, I assume we both had John Zion. We already talked about those guys. Uh, yep. uh, Brandon Clark, I had a, on my team as well. Um, yep. And then I had uh, two Heat players, Chris Dunn and Tyler Hero. Kendrick Nunn. Or Kendrick, yeah, Chris Dunn. Uh, Kendrick, Kendrick Nunn. Oh, my God, I wrote down Dunn. Damn. That's just, <laughs> that was just a – I just said Kendrick Dunn, too. So Kendrick I meant Kendrick Dunn. Nunn. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, uh, Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Hero. Yeah, I had the same. I had same the same five? five. Did you do the honorable mention or no? Uh, no, but I could, I could uh, rattle some off. Who did you have? I had uh, Thibel. I had Kobe White. Yeah, Kobe White. Really really came along at the end. Rui, uh, get that boy. Rui. Rui. Yeah. Had Rui. Had uh I felt bad for like RJ Barrett was not good this year. He put yeah. up some numbers, but he was really, really bad. But I felt bad for him because that team is so poorly put together around him. Yeah. Uh, Cause it's so obvious the type of player you need to put next to him and they just didn't. And he still, you know, he was he was decent. He wasn't awful. Um yeah. he wasn't like a he wasn't completely he wasn't like Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox sucks. RJ definitely has talent. I I can see. And then I had a uh, PJ Washington. PJ Washington was yeah. kind of underrated. He had that really hot start from three, kind of cooled off a little bit. Um, but he's just going to be a really good player. I can tell. Um, that's going to be able to fit in like any lineup for a while. So yeah, those are my uh, those are my five. Kind of a weird rookie class. It it is a weird rookie class. Um, and going back to RJ. Uh, I think he definitely deserves to find his way into the second team. Uh, like you said, the efficiency numbers were not there at all. 
Uh, and that's due him to partly his, his style of play, but a large part into uh, like kind of how the Knicks, like you said, surrounded him. Uh, so the numbers alone, um, if, if you take away like not even more advanced metrics, because field goal percentage is not an advanced metric by any, any stretch of the imagination, but 14, five and two and a half uh, is definitely uh, a noteworthy uh, rookie season. Yeah. He just needs to get his free throws up. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why he's so bad at shooting. Cause like, it doesn't look, doesn't look perfect, but it doesn't look like terrible. You yeah. Know? Um, so I hope I hope he figures it out because I actually really like him. Like he's pretty he's pretty hype, dude. Yeah, kind of. Seems yeah. like he grinds. So I'm not a um, yeah. It's kind. He's kind. I used to. I remember. Uh, well, especially when we were talking draft last year, uh, I was a big Cam Reddish guy, and then he just absolutely, just absolutely crapped the bed this season. Uh, and I think he RJ picked up. he picked it up at the end. He, he did pick it up at the end, but I think RJ is kind of the opposite uh, as Cam in the sense that like Cam is always trying to look like. Silky smooth, nonchalant. Yeah. Cam reminds me of like Robinson Cano playing second base. <laughs> RJ is like, I mean, and right now this is going to be a tough comparison as a Yankee fan. Uh, and by all means, I love Robbie Cano, but uh, Cam kind of plays like him where RJ kind of plays like Dustin Pedroia where he's just like head down attacking to the rim, like doesn't care about anything. Uh, is just trying to get a bucket or, or get someone else a bucket. So, um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm definitely uh, – RJ Barrett fan as well. Yeah, Cam Reddish last twelve games, sixteen a game, shot forty nine percent from the field, forty percent from three. That's what I'm so talking about right there. Improvement. Cam. He's improvement. so young too. Like he's he is really he was like young for his age. Um, yeah. At uh, at Duke, like he's he it's just he just looks so good, just like yeah. in a vacuum. The way he just how smooth he is. Um, that I hope he figures it out. He seems he seems like a he'll be a fun player. He'll be like a he kind of reminds me a little bit like Paul George. And yeah. how smooth he is. Um, yeah, he's young in age. So. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, according to Basketball Reference, uh, his nickname he's already got the nickname Killer Cam. Yeah. So, yeah. who is he killing? Oh, uh, speaking of Cam, speaking of Cam's our rookies, Cam Johnson. Yeah, that boy Cam Johnson. Uh, he 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 had a pretty good year. He was off and on, uh, yeah. to say the least. But um, he was solid from three. It got a little exposed on the on the defensive end of the floor, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, It'll be interesting because um, him and – if I go on a little, like, Suns talk, uh, him and Bridges are – Cam is too small and too bad of a defender to play at the four because um, he's just going to get beaten up down low. I know we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're going into a, a small ball game with spacing and stuff, but he just doesn't have it. Uh, but a lineup I do like – uh, no offense, Ricky Rubio is when Booker's running the point and we have McCall at the two and Cam at the three. And then you can get Dario. Yeah, back. Damn. Uh, oh, or yeah, or, or Ubre. I mean, Ubre is better than McCall and uh, Cam and would play at mm. whatever position over them. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I like when those two guys are on the floor together because they kind of do the same things and McCall can guard the better of the two guys who's on the wing. And uh, Cam can relax a little bit and then hit some threes. So Yeah, McCall, McCall started picking it up. At the end of the year, yeah, he he's, did. He's I, finally becoming, you know, the guy I didn't want him to be because the Sixers traded him. Yeah, uh, but I, he's good. He's gonna I think I think he is going to be good, and I really hope that these guys, I I really hope they continue to elevate. Uh, obviously, Cam Johnson was just a uh, rookie this season, but I don't want them to get get to the position 
where where after their fourth year we're like what do what do we do here yeah because you know? i like it's like they could get decent money but he only peaked at averaging 13 a game shooting like 38 percent from three uh that's why uh that's why i think these eight games are going to help just any more run i can see out of these guys uh and hopefully the coaching staff and front office can see uh will help uh down the road but yeah, I like the direction that both of those guys are going in. And uh, sneakily, Ty Jerome had some good moments. Um, he didn't play that much, and he didn't start the season until a couple months uh, late. Um, but when he was in, I saw I saw a couple of flashes. I mean, you look at you look right now at uh, um, his his line. He's, he averaged three and a half, one and a half, and one and a half. Uh, but you can tell that he knows what to do with the ball and he gets it. Um, so I think he could be an interesting player. I don't think he's going to flame out. Uh, no, nah, he'll, he'll, he's too – just he has too, like, a baseline of skill and size yeah. that he'll be, he'll be fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was a, that was a good I, – I, I, like, I like where the Suns are going, and then I just feel like I don't, I don't have any idea where they're going. Yeah, I agree like, with that. in the West. Aiton improved. Yeah, Aiton's um, good. Aiton is a good player. I'm still low on him, I guess. Uh and I still think it was the wrong pick, but he's not bad at all. Uh, really improved on defense. So, yeah, I mean, dude, we're, we were. Uh, I think we were a John Moran away from being. Yeah, man, God, like, that would have been perfect. Because then they could have spent that Rubio money just kind of elsewhere yeah, on on yeah, like wing guys or uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, yeah. Any, anything else you got? Uh, got got a decently long pod today. Probably an hour of uh, content. I'm I'm excited. Like we said earlier, the season's coming back, and uh, we'll definitely be having more NBA content, not only on the podcast network, but uh, on the site. Mm-hmm. Uh, because things are going to start heating up, and that season's going to come is going to come in a flash. And uh, I'm not sure about this either, but I think I did read that like some of the regular season games are going to be playing on like mid afternoon and stuff. So I think I it's going to be like summer league, where yeah, it's just games all day. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a, a, a ton of overlap. So it's going to be like, if you, if you get two screens in front of you, you should be able to catch most of the action, which uh, I think will be pretty sweet. It's going to, it's going to make up for what we missed uh, with the tournament, the college tournament. Yeah. That's a, that's a very fair point. So, I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. All right. All right. For uh, Shane and for Q, this has been another edition. Uh, the SQ sports NBA podcast, finally getting back uh, to normal and we will definitely talk to you all soon. Peace.